Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for bringing us here together today, Lord, to worship you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, that you would open our ears, open our hearts and our minds, that we might receive your words, Lord, and be transformed through your power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. It is so good to see you all this Sunday. Well, as many of you know, uh, I spent a stint in the military, right? I was in the Army, and I was an Airborne Ranger, and which was fun, a lot of fun in a lot of ways. And one of my favorite things was uh, some of the support we got on some of our missions, right? When we'd go out on training missions, we would train just how we would fight. So we'd have live ammo, we'd have live ammo, like of all the support we would get, they would have live ammo too. So you train, well, we didn't have bad guys shooting at us, that was the only thing we didn't have on training. But otherwise, it was all exactly the same. And one of my favorite things to be supported by was this thing called Spectre. Anyone ever heard of Spectre? You should have. It's pretty cool. It is a, uh, it's this name of a uh, transport um, plane, a C-130, that's been just equipped with this huge array of armaments. I mean, it's this whole, the whole right side of the airplane is covered with guns completely. Isn't that great? <laughs> I guess you're not quite as excited about it as I am. I mean, this thing was awesome. It had two 20-millimeter M61 Vulcan cannons, right, which are like, they have, they, you know, they spin around like this. Oh, so cool, like Gatling guns, you know? And they shoot up to 6,000 rounds a minute. Isn't that exciting? Those guns alone can put a bullet in every square foot of a football field in under a minute. That's pretty cool. Right, I got you with that one. Okay, then they also have one Bullforce 40-millimeter autocannon, which shoots this huge bullet. Man, it's just great when that thing hits something you want it to hit. And then they've got a 105-millimeter howitzer on it as well, right, if the other stuff doesn't take care of it. Pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Right, so when this thing would, get, would be above you, what it would do is it'd circle up at altitude, and you could hear it going, droning around up there, its props spinning around as it floated around you. And when you needed it, then it would just unleash this fury from the skies that was awe-inspiring as a foot soldier. You know, because you've just got your little rifle, you're running around, and you hear out this thing up there, and suddenly you hear its, its Vulcan cannons go off, and they made a sound almost like somebody ripping a huge sheet of denim. You know, with a normal machine gun, you hear... This you just heard... Because it was shooting so fast. And the tracers, which are every fifth round, looked like a laser beam. It was just solid light from the airplane to the ground. It was really incredible. You don't sound... How come you're not as excited about it as I am? I thought you all would be like jumping up and down. No, it's, it's awesome. Such a cool thing to have on your side. But the problem is... You know, it's like the big brother you needed there to help you out. You know, the problem was is how does this thing tell who's who? Right? It could be a huge asset, but if it doesn't know where you are or who you are, is it helpful? No, not really. A football field gets awful small, right? If it can put a bullet in every square foot of that in a minute, right? You want to get away from that thing. And so the way we protected ourselves was with this amazing thing. It was one of these. A glow stick. A glow stick. You know the things you give to your kids on Halloween so the cars see them? 
right? This, except for it wasn't even glowing red. It glowed infrared. I mean, so you couldn't see it with the naked eye. So you'd crack the thing and you'd be like, oh, I hope it's, I hope it's working, you know, because <laughs> you're going out there. And so you'd check it with your night vision and then you could see it then. You could tell it was on. But that was how you protected yourself. That was one of the ways we marked our position. And not everyone had one of these, right? You just had one for every kind of group of people. This. This little piece of plastic with some, like, oily goo inside of it was how you were protected from two 20-millimeter Vulcan cannons, one 40-millimeter Bofors, and one 105-millimeter howitzer, which really would ruin your day if that got close to you. That was it. This little glowing stick was the way that you were marked as a good guy. That was it. That was all that separated you from that fury coming from the sky was a little glow stick. Now this makes me think of our Old Testament passage, right? Remember, we've been studying the nation of Israel and they've been uh, stuck in captivity in Egypt. How'd they get there in the first place? Remember Joseph, famine, right? They all like... They went down, uh, Joseph brought his brothers and his parents down, and they settled in the land of Egypt to escape the famine that lasted for seven years in the land. Then uh, they multiplied, right, as groups of people tend to do, and they got more and more and more of them, which was all good and well as long as the Pharaoh liked them. But at one point they had a Pharaoh who was not super friendly with the Jews, and so they became slaves. And then as we spoke about last week, maybe it was the week before, uh, the boys were all condemned to death. Right? Every Jewish boy who was born was condemned to death. But Moses' life was preserved through the power of God and his provision. Moses grew up into adulthood. adulthood. And where did he grow up? Whose household? Pharaoh's house. There we go. Pharaoh's household is where Moses grew up into adulthood. But then Moses made a little mistake. And what was that? Killed an Egyptian. Right? He sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. Moses intervenes, puts himself in between them, and then he kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand, and wants to wipe his hands clean of the event. But what happens? He gets caught. Right? His own people re- realize that, and they say, oh, you're going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian. And then also Pharaoh finds out, and Moses is driven from the land. And he ends up in the land of Midian. And it's there, as we talked about last week, that God, he encounters God, and God sends him back to Egypt to be a part of the plan by which the Lord will deliver Israel from Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says on behalf of God, let my people go. He says, let my people go. But Pharaoh tells him, no, that's right. And, uh, and so they have to up the ante. God has to raise the heat on Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will release God's people from Egypt. And so there are ten plagues that come as a consequence uh, for each time that Pharaoh says no to Moses' request that he is making on behalf of God. The first plague is that all the water in Egypt turns to blood. That's gross, huh? Nasty. All the water. And not just the water in the Nile, but the water in the reservoirs, the tributaries, the streams, even in canisters that people have in their house, turns to blood. No matter if they got it in an algae with the lid on, blood. All of it. And so suddenly, there's no fresh water in all of Egypt. Then the next one, as though water in turning to blood is not bad enough, frogs. 
Frogs are the next plague. Which wouldn't be bad in Louisiana because they like to eat the frog down there. But up here, that would be rough, right? Frogs everywhere. Frogs in bed. Frogs in all over the place. Frogs jumping on your plate during dinner time. Frogs everywhere, covering in the land. Then the next thing is gnats. Oh man, that's got to be terrible. Right? Gnats. Then flies. And then all of, all of the Egyptian livestock dies. Then boils. Ew. Right? That's just... So people start to sprout these nasty, festering boils. And I'll tell you what, senior prom was a bust that year. <laughs> right? Because everyone's like, oh my gosh, I got this boil. And no amount of cover-up could take care of that sucker. Right? And so uh, dates were falling apart. It was terrible. Then hail. As if the boils weren't bad enough. Hail is the next thing. And hail destroys the crops. The rest of the livestock destroys all kinds of things. And then locusts. Swarms upon swarms of locusts descend upon the land and eat everything. And then the next to last curse is darkness. Darkness for three days. But darkness in a weird way because the darkness is only where the Egyptians live. It's light where the Israelites are living. And so there's this immediate invisible sign that, that the nations are being separated here. That the judgment is falling upon the Egyptians, not upon the Israelites. And so then comes the last curse. Anyone know what this is? Death to the firstborn. Every firstborn Egyptian male dies. Where do you think that idea came from? Where did we see it earlier in Exodus? Pharaoh. It was his plan. The very plan that Pharaoh had wanted to use to root out the Israelites... God then enacted on Pharaoh himself. And so that night, uh, the, the Lord was going to pass over the land of Egypt and kill the firstborn sons. There was only one way to be safe. The doorway of the household had to be marked with blood. Blood on the sides and the top of the doorframe. God says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. There had to be a sacrifice to protect the people. In order for the Israelites to be set free, the lamb had to give its life. In order for their sons to be protected, blood had to be shed. Because they got this, this lamb, what, as we read in the passage today, a lamb for each family, or if the family was too small to eat a whole lamb, they would divide it, and they would take some of the blood and spread it upon the doorposts. And then they would eat the rest of the lamb. It was this protection from the blood of the lamb, which was to protect the Israelites from the Lord's judgment. Through this powerful event in the land of Egypt, the Israelites were delivered and set free from their slavery. It was an amazing miracle. But you know what? It was not the last miracle we were going to see in this way. This miracle, this miracle of the Passover, was looking forward to something. It was preparing the world for a greater miracle. The world would have to wait for another almost 1,500 Passovers, but on another Passover in the Promised Land, another lamb's blood was shed. And through this poured-out blood, deliverance would come. But this sacrificial blood would not only free the people from slavery, but would grant freedom from sin and ultimately 
from death. Through this blood, God's people would be given eternal life. Now, when I was in the Rangers, and we were in a bad situation, we knew that we had support that we could call for. We knew that there was support in the sky. We knew that Spectre would come, this AC-130 gunship. It would come and destroy the threat. But the challenge was is that Spectre was a threat to us as well, unless we were under a sign, unless we had our chem light next to us, unless we were marked as on the good team, unless we had identified ourselves as on the same team as Spectre, we were under that same danger as the enemy was. So we put ourselves under the sign so that we could be delivered. In the same way, you and I and the nation of Israel in this story needs to be under a sign. We need the protection and deliverance that it affords because we're broken people and we've done and continue to do broken things in our lives. Pride, lust, greed, selfishness, lies, the list goes on and on. Like the Israelites needed freedom from slavery to Pharaoh, we need deliverance from slavery to sin. The lamb was sacrificed for you and for me for this very purpose, to protect us from the judgment of God, to free us from the bondage to sin, and to open to us the way of everlasting life. That lamb, of, that lamb of God, Jesus Christ, invites us to be marked with his sign today, to be washed in his blood by confessing our sins, believing in him, and accepting his free gift of grace. May we be people who are marked with the sign and are therefore delivered for eternal life. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Jesus, Lord, your Son, the Lamb of God who, who was sacrificed for us. Lord, may we be marked with his blood. May we humbly come before you, Lord, confess our brokenness, seek your forgiveness, Lord, and accept your free gift of grace. Lord, thank you that you are a God, Lord, who shows what you are going to do long before you do it. We thank you that 3,500 years ago now, Lord, you prefigured Jesus Christ's sacrifice, Lord, with the exodus from Egypt. Lord, may we accept your plan of salvation. May we participate in it, Lord, and may we join your team, Lord, by confessing to you and turning our hearts over to you. Thank you, Lord, for your deliverance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.